Well, good morning. If I haven't met you, and there's a pretty good chance I haven't, uh, my name is Jonathan Hicks, and I just started about a month ago as the executive pastor here at CPC. My family and I moved from Dallas, Texas, um, and we were really excited to be here in Minnesota and uh, certainly to enjoy the great summer weather we've had and uh, to get to know you guys. And so um, it's my joy to get to um, preach this morning. Well, as we've been getting settled into our uh, house uh, over the past few weeks, we've kind of been meeting people and kind of getting a lay of the land around here. Um, a few Saturdays ago, we were having a lazy Saturday morning, which really just means mom and dad got to sleep in. And the kids, we don't know what they were doing. They just weren't waking us up. And uh, so as we're doing this, I'm getting up and just getting my coffee. And I hear, I think, a knock on the door. And then the next thing I hear is I hear the voice of my six-year-old son, Benjamin, talking to some other adults who I'm not sure who could possibly be at my door right now. And I walk outside to find my son shirtless, meeting three of our new neighbors um, and telling them all about our life. And, you know, you might be wondering, is that a common occurrence? Do people not wear shirts in the Hicks household? Do they answer the door without shirts on? Well, you're just going to have to find, come by the house to find out. But let's just say I was very relieved that he had shorts on. Well, at the door were three of our neighbors who were just wanting to come and make sure that we felt welcome to the neighborhood and to know that we had a neighborhood night out coming up that week. And I, I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, okay, they are really nice. They're, they're going out of their way to, to, to make us feel a part of things. And we've had other families who have said, hey, we want you to meet the kids in the neighborhood and get to know them. Um, the neighbor who lives behind me, he, uh, on the first day we moved in, um, he, he offered to let me use his lawnmower when he found out I didn't have one. Now, after three weeks of uh, kind of not having the yard mode before we moved in, uh, you could interpret that as a little passive aggressive, like, would you please mow your yard? Um, I don't want a native like rainforest going on behind me. But I took it as a really genuine gesture of friendship, and I, I think that's how it was meant. Um, so we have really benefited and received the, the kind of Minnesota niceness that we always heard about. It's kind of been even better than advertised for us. And I, I came to expect that probably when we came to church and when we stepped into life at CPC, that we would experience some of that, that, that people at church would welcome us and make us feel a part of things. But it's kind of been a really fun and nice surprise that that has kind of been what we've experienced elsewhere in where we live as well. You know, most of the time in life, um, people do not have signs on that tell you what their needs are, and uh, they, don't wear, they don't wear a name tag that says what's going on inside their life. Like when people move in, it's pretty obvious. There's a moving truck. There's for sale signs. Uh, there are people who are taking out the trash and picking up the mail that are different in your neighborhood, and you have a, a way of knowing that they're there. But in general, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to see what's really going on in people's hearts and lives. Um, there are not signs that they hold up because they're really hard to put on a sign what's really going on. Like someone doesn't wear a sign that says, you know, I've just lost my spouse or I, I lost my parent and I'm really grieving because it's, it's, it's coming up on one-year anniversary of that, of that uh, loss and death in my family. People don't wear a sign that says, I'm a single parent, and I could really use a break today. People don't wear signs, and they don't really put it out there that they may be feeling it. You know, I've had the same prayer request in my life for the last two years, and I, I know you're tired of hearing about it, and I'm tired of giving it, but I really just need someone to care for me and pray for me today. 
These are things that go unnoticed. They're underneath the surface, but we're all walking around with them. And the people that are around us in life, sometimes we don't realize it. They seem like they have it all together, but they're carrying those burdens as well. Well, we're in this series. Uh, we've we've uh, spent a couple weeks now in this series called uh, Because He First Loved Us, looking at the ways that we can go and love our neighbors um, because God has first loved us. And Pastor Emily and Pastor Melissa did such a good job. Really great messages if you missed those. Looking at ways that we can go and love our neighbor, looking at ways that we can care for the poor the past two weeks. And one of the things that I love about this series is that every week there is a specific next step for you, something that you can do today, um, something that you can do as you leave here today to think about how that you can love others in the way that you've been loved by Jesus. Um, so uh, we're going to dive into a little bit. Uh, our text this morning is from the book of James, chapter one. Um, and for many people, James may be like your favorite book of the Bible. Like a lot of the books of the Bible, like I'm not going to name names, but you're like, that's really complicated. I don't know what's going on there. But the book of James is really practical. It's short sentences. Paul just has so many run-on sentences. I really just like James. It gets into some of the, the, the details of life that I like. And if you are somebody who goes, I, I don't know where I should start in reading my Bible, um, you, would, you would do really well this week to pick up the book of James and just read a chapter each day. There's only five chapters, so you get two freebies. You're already two days ahead on your week reading plan. But at times, if I'm going to be really honest, James is one of my least favorite books in the Bible. I'm not supposed to say that as a pastor, but I'm putting it out there. And we're getting to know each other, right? Well, it's, it's partly because James, he doesn't kind of shy away from saying the hard things that we need to hear, but often we don't want to hear. And so one of the things that James talks about is he has a lot to say for those of us who know what the Bible says, but aren't quite doing it yet. James says that if you hear the word, if you hear it, but you don't do it, um, he said that's deceiving yourself. That's like looking in the mirror when you get up in the morning, but then not actually doing anything about it and fixing your hair or straightening your, you know, your shirt or whatever else people do when they get ready in the mornings, uh, whatever that is. But James is saying he's speaking to a community of Christians who know theological truths. They know these things that he's about to tell them, but he's saying he's giving them that nudge to say, this is something that needs to be true in your life. You need to practice what you're preaching. Anybody else relate to the need to do that? I know I can. So I want to look at James 1.27 this morning. I'm going to show you just the first half of this verse real fast, because I don't want you to see the second half. I want you to kind of think about what might fill in this blank. James 1.27 reads, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this blank. Or you could say another translation, maybe your Bible would say, true religion before God is blank. Okay, what, what comes to mind? Think about what that might be. Maybe it's things like true religion is heartfelt prayer to God. Maybe it's, it's really um, singing praises to God in worship. Maybe it's meditating on truths of scripture and really having that moment of communion with God. Maybe true religion is having faith in all of our circumstances. It's, it's really loving Jesus with all of our heart. Those are all good things. James might say amen to all those things, but that's not what actually is in the rest of that verse. So he says, and this is 26 and 27 together, he says, if anyone thinks that he is religious, he or she is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, 
This person's religious religion is worthless. I told you he doesn't pull punches. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James says that there are three things he wants to point out that really show that your religion is pure before God, that you're living out the faith, the, the, the things that you say that you believe, that you would be careful with your speech, that you would care for orphans and widows, that you would live a life of holiness in the world. Well, as I've kind of got to know people in my neighborhood and, and maybe even also just as I've been sitting out on all the patios around town and getting to know people, um, occasionally it'll come up that I'm new to town or that we just moved here. And people will say, well, what brought you here? And I always say, it's the mild temperature of the climate. I just, you know, really looking for that. And they say, no, seriously, why, why are you here? And I say, well, I got, I, got a, I got a new job here. And occasionally somebody will just leave it there, but most people will say, well, what's your job? And I'll say, well, I'm, a, I'm actually a pastor. And um, some of you, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting per- perspective to be on the other side of what happens on people's faces when you say that. Um, some people will, will actually be really interested and say, oh, you know what? I know CPC. Um, I, I have a family member that goes there, or a friend who goes there, or I've been really blessed by this ministry of CPC and the community. Other people will tell, tell me a little bit about where they go to church or maybe some of their faith journey. Sometimes people have a lot to share about that when they find out that you're a pastor. But a number of people will also do this where it's kind of like the subject just steers away from that. And I don't blame them for that. That's okay. Sometimes that's just not where well, a conversation you're ready to have. Um, but I, I have noticed, and I can't help but think, that maybe a reason that sometimes people steer away from that is that the Christian, the, the Christian faith that they've seen, the Christian faith they've heard about, the church that they've seen, and maybe even the experience with pastors that they've had has not been like what James describes here as true religion. That too often as Christians, we're not known for being gracious with our speech. We're not known for doing justice. We're, known, we're not known for living holy lives ourselves. We're known for telling other people how they should live their holy lives. Well, the theologian Martin Luther said this about these verses. He said, the world does not need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. And James is saying to us, all of the theological truths, all your spiritual practices, those are great. Those are really good. But let's get specific. How are you doing at loving your neighbor? And in particular, how are you doing at loving your neighbor who's around you, who's the most vulnerable, and who needs the most care. That's the test of whether we really believe what we say that we believe. I told you, James is tough. Well, so let's look a little bit more about this idea of care for orphans and widows. Any person, whether it was 2,000 years ago or today, who suffers a loss in your family, and I know some of, there will be people in here who that has been very recent, or even in, you know, during COVID, that's been something that's gone on in your life. Um, it's going to be a financial burden. It's going to be an emotional struggle. And it's going to feel like it's cut, cut you off from community in various ways. It's a, an incredibly painful thing on so many levels to lose somebody that we love about. But in the first century, it was, not, it was even worse than maybe what we might experience today. Because if you were a, uh, a widow or if you were an orphan, um, you were more vulnerable to types of injustice. That there, were no, there was no life insurance as we know it. There was no government assistance for those who've lost somebody. 
there weren't even often legal protections to make sure that people couldn't take advantage of you and your vulnerable situation in life. These were the most vulnerable people, and so James is, is heightening, and the Bible often talks about widows and orphans. But for us today, I want us to think, as you think about who this might be, and, and kind of as we look outward uh, in the rest of the, the, our time together, um, yes, think about widows and orphans particularly, but also think about who are the people who might be vulnerable for other reasons, people who've lost a job, people who are new to the community, who's new to our country, People who, for a variety of reasons, are dealing with uh, life's difficulties. Um, Who might those people be? The theme of caring for widows and orphans is something that the Bible talks about kind of throughout the whole thing. In, In the Old Testament, God gave laws to his people Israel. And in those laws, one of the things that he repeats over and over is that they were to care for widows and orphans because nobody else it did. It wasn't something that was, it was something that, that was really unusual in the ancient world. And in fact, it goes a little bit further than that. In Psalm 68, God doesn't say just to care for them. God actually introduces himself with a title. He says that I am the father of the fatherless and I am the protector of widows. Have you ever, maybe some of you have had to do this for your job or for some organization you're involved in, introduce a speaker Um, Sometimes they come with a professional bio, something that tells you about them, that gets you hyped to hear from them, that tells you a little bit about like what they've done. Um, I've I've had to do that a few times. It's a little intimidating because you want to make sure you get all the details right. You want to make sure that you convey who they are. This is a person of importance. You need to listen to them. God's way of telling us who he is and what he cares about is that he's the father of the fatherless, that he's the protector of the widows, This is what he's putting on his business card. This is what he says is at the top of his bio that he wants to know. This is not something that other, the gods in the ancient world, other gods did. This is not something that supreme leaders of countries or organizations do. This is who God is though. These are the people that are near to his heart. If you want to understand who God is and how he loves us, you have to see that he is for those who are most vulnerable in the world. If this morning you feel you're coming in wearing the weight of of some uh, weight of the world or something in your life, maybe the best thing that you can hear today is a promise that I love from Romans 8, 31, that you would know that if God is for you and he is in Jesus, if we trust him, then no one can be against you. No one can stand against you. That God, our father in heaven loves us that if we are struggling to care for the vulnerable, and I'm gonna just be really honest, sometimes I'm struggling to care about caring for the vulnerable. The place that we need to start is remembering who our Father in heaven is and how he loves us. That as a father, God gave up his own son so that we might be made part of his family. That we weren't just, you know, kind of disinterested, we were his enemies, And while we were his enemies, God showed his love in giving up his son so that we might be welcome in as part of his family. So I want to spend a few minutes maybe just talking briefly as we close about how some practical parts about this and how we can do this. The first thing that that I feel like would, um, that we should do is maybe just start with the fact that if this isn't at the top of our priority list, if this isn't something we're thinking about, that we should start by praying. 
Prayer isn't just something that we do to, before meals. It's not just something that we do at the beginning and end of worship services. Prayer is part of that ongoing relationship with God that we're meant to cultivate. And so I want you to do a, a specific kind of praying, though, to pray with your eyes open today and this week. You know, we're taught often to bow our heads and close our eyes, but in a way, isn't it appropriate that we would pray with our eyes open, looking out at the needs of those around us and the needs of those in our world? And so as you go this week, maybe it's just a simple prayer. Jesus, who are those around me who are vulnerable? Jesus, what is this person who I'm talking to right now? What are they going through? What is it that they need? How can I show them your love? You might find that someone in your life, it's obvious that there's somebody you know who's going through loss. But then oftentimes, isn't it, you think everything's going great on the outside. We hold it all together, but inside things are just falling apart. And what a gift to be able to show the love of God to those who need it. But the second thing I think James would want us to say is, uh, it's great to start with prayer, but let's not stop there. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. But part of what it does is it changes our own hearts. That you can't help but as you pray for somebody to grow in love for them. I dare you, try it. Pray for somebody you're, you're struggling with this week. And it's gonna change your heart, isn't it? And as you pray, when God puts something before you, take that next step. So uh, back in Dallas, I have a friend named Becky. And uh, Becky uh, uh, used to be one of the people who greeted on Sunday mornings out front. And when she greeted one morning, she ended up talking to one of our senior adult women back in Dallas and had a nice little conversation with her. And she could tell that she was somebody who was maybe a little bit lonely and just needed a friend that day. And so Becky talked to her and had a good conversation. At the end of the conversation, this older woman said, well, this was really nice. How about you come visit me this Friday? And Becky thought, you know what, I can, I can do that. Sure, I can go visit her one time. I'll go, I'll go out this Friday. So Becky went and visited her. And at the end of that little visit, the woman said, well, this is really nice. I'll see you next Friday. And Becky thought, wait, is that what we signed up for here? Um, no, she said, she said, okay. She said, okay, I can do that. And then they just kind of kept this part, rhythm in their life. And this became part of Becky's life, going and spending time with her. And it became this simple thing that really made a huge difference in this woman and, and also the secret is it didn't just make a difference on this older woman. It made a difference on Becky and her heart too. It's that truth that we know, but sometimes have trouble believing that it really is more blessed to give than receive. That's not just something we tell our kids at Christmas time, right? That's really a promise of Jesus that we get to live out. That Jesus meets us and blesses us even in our small steps of faith. That we get, to, we, we get reminded as we take those steps of how he loves us and how we've received from him. Lastly, I would say, think about how you can build a rhythm, how you can build habits, whatever you want to call it, um, to care for those around you, and maybe even to anticipate needs before they come about. Preventative care, you might say. I was listening to a podcast on a, on a road trip our family was taking recently about a city block in New York City. So back in March 2020, when COVID was really bad, they had a lot of doctors and nurses that lived on this particular street. And so one of the things that they did during this season was at seven o'clock every night, they stepped out of the front door and they cheered and they rang bells and they um, clapped and they made a lot of noise as a way of saying thank you to all the doctors and nurses that lived on that street. 
And then afterward, you know, naturally you start, you talk to your neighbors a little bit and you say hello. And, um, and they liked it so much that, you know, COVID is still with us, but they still, they just kept doing it every day. And every day at seven o'clock, they would do it. And this one 80-year-old woman said that, she said, some nights I don't really feel like going outside and doing it. And she said, but I know that at 7.30, if I, don't, if I hadn't shown up at seven, at 7.30, the neighbors on either side of me are gonna be knocking on my door they're going to be checking on me and they're going to be seeing how they're going to see how I'm doing. So I might as well just get up and, you know, do it at seven. Um, isn't that just a loving way to be a neighbor? Now, um, before you get your air horn and cowbells out um, and try this with your block, you might want to think twice to see if the prescription your block needs is more cowbell. But I do think we see in the New Testament that that the church made intentional plans about how they could care for people. That in Acts chapter six, we, we learned that, that they, uh, they called people as deacons. Deacons is a word that means servant. We as a church have deacons. They called people to be set apart for the job of bringing food to those who are widows. Um, I spent time uh, recently with some friends of mine who every Sunday, I didn't know this, but every Sunday, they need, they, Sunday lunch was kind of a set aside time for their family. And every Sunday they had lunch with another close friend of theirs and her kids who had lost their husband and their father. She was a widow and these were fatherless and they were fatherless, but they were a family together. And so every Sunday they, some Sundays they would just have lunch together. Some Sundays when the mom needed it, they would keep the kids all afternoon. And then there would be some times where the family would have some other plans and that was absolutely fine. They just wanted to make sure that she knew that if she needed it, they were always there for her and that they were there, that they were, her, they were their family. And friends, I think that's a beautiful picture of what the church can be, of what it can look like when we allow God's love for us to, throw, to flow through us to others. So this morning, our next step that uh, we're gonna have you um, do in response uh, is that we're gonna have you pick up some note cards. They're already stamped because who can find a stamp when you need one? Um, and they have a little note card inside. And what we like is during the next song, you can get up, you actually can get up and walk around. It's, uh, I know it always feels a little bit uncomfortable. Am I supposed to go now? Yes, you can go now. Um, go pick up a card and I want you to think about and just ask God, who, who in my life needs a, a word of encouragement? Who could I share a scripture verse with? Um, maybe it is somebody who is a senior adult in your life who might be feeling lonely or isolated. Uh, maybe it's somebody who it, it's coming up on the anniversary of a loss of somebody. Um, maybe it's somebody who's experienced job loss or um, somebody else that you just know, they could use a word of comfort and to be reminded that somebody, somebody sees them and cares for them. So if you would think about that, and I know some of you are thinking, that's great. I'm, I'm really glad we're doing that, but I am not a note writer. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm not a note writer. If my wife was here, she would be nudging me with an elbow if I was sitting where you're sitting. I'm not a note writer. But I, I really appreciate when I do receive those notes. And I know what it means for somebody to take the time. And actually, it's something that comes back um, again and again. You come back to and say, man, I'm so glad that person took that moment to write that note and think of me and remind me of what God's done. And friends, I, I hope that that would be true, that we might be able to be tangible reminders of God's love to people in our community and outside our walls um, in this week and the weeks to come. So would you pray with me? God, our Father, 
we are blessed um, that you love us, that you see our needs and that you know what it is that we have going on in life right now, whether others in our life do or, or, or don't. Um, Lord, we pray that we as a church body would be so drawn to, to love those that you love, to care about the, the ones that you care about, and Lord, to express um, your deep love and affection um, for those that are our neighbors, literally, and those who are those that we, we uh, live and play and work around um, in life every day. We pray that we would um, live in your love and be able to show it to others. In Jesus' name, amen.